Hi, everyone. I'm JJ Hornglass, and welcome to FinTech Unfiltered from Bank Innovation. This is our weekly wrap on what's happening in banking innovation for the week of June 8, 2020. Before beginning, I want to thank Bank Innovation's advertisers, Abby, Mambu, Nutanix, and Q2 for their support. Thank you very much. And I am joined here by Bianca Chan and Rick Morgan from the Bank Innovation team. Welcome. Uh, it is uh, Friday, June 12, 2020. Uh, the nation started to return to economic activity this week. A lot of reopenings happening around, uh, around the nation, in New York, et cetera. Um, and so we can start thinking again about uh, expansion or, or new uh, avenues of uh, customer interaction for financial services. And Truist was one that came up this week. Um, Rick, you spoke with uh, Dante Wilson uh, of Truist, the Chief Digital and Client Experience Officer. Uh, he said something interesting. I mean, they are obviously coming out of the BB&T SunTrust integration process mm -hmm. after their deal last December. And uh, he's charged with, uh, obviously, their digital uh, and client experience. Um, and he, he set a standard of, of uh, achieving the best and most distinct client experience in any channel for Truist. Um, what does this mean? Uh, what are they endeavoring to do over there at Truist? Uh, they are trying to make sure that wherever the customer wants to interact, that they have a positive interaction and they won't start to look uh, elsewhere to, you know, any of their competitors, basically. Uh, they're doing so, or they're trying to do so basically through uh, very intense co-creation um, and co-development sessions. So they're really putting a priority on working with customers, working with clients to make sure that um, they're developing things that customers and clients actually want. Um, yeah, so I spoke with Dante Wilson uh, and as well as Mike Shade, uh, who, who works in that department as well. Um, and they work basically directly with customers either in their innovation labs um, or through these virtual sessions of which there's about 3,000 people that have volunteered to do that. Uh, and they also have just like normal feedback loops uh, where like, you know, they, they ask customers about their experience, whether it's at a branch, uh, through a digital channel, on the app, what have you. Uh, and there's about 100,000 customers that have signed up for that. So they're constantly getting this feedback. Um, the 100,000 people, um, those, uh, those feedback loops update every day. Um, so they, they're really putting a high priority on this. Um, and that's what they uh, are trying to do to avoid, I believe what they said was uh, creating the next shiny new thing and actually creating something that, that banks, um, bank customers can use. So do, it, you know, what kind of expectation do we, do you have uh, for, for Truist in terms of uh, new technologies or services coming up? Um, I think moving forward, I think we're going to see some more, uh, uh, Dante talked a little bit about like data driven personalization. That's going to be something that they're going to start to uh, prioritize a little bit more so using what they know about you through um, through your transaction history, through your relationship with the bank, 
being able to offer more relevant products on a consistent basis um, and try to create um, a banking experience that, that's really tailored to the individual based on what they know about you. And he said that that's kind of what they're looking to do more of in the future. Um, they already kind of have a situation where, you know, they have like the 10 or 12 most used functions in any app uh, and customers can sort of um, put one or more at the forefront, depending on if they use it more or if they don't use anything at all, like they don't have to see that. Um, so they already kind of are doing that, but it seems like they sort of hinted that that's going to be something to keep an eye out for from, from Truist in the future. Um, from a, a large institution down to a startup, um, we saw an investment this week by uh, MFUG into Charge After. We, we work with Charge After on the IMV uh, fintech. Uh, in the IMV FinTech Accelerator, right, Bianca? So uh, what does this, uh, this fundraising allow ChargeAfter to do, or what do they intend to do as a result? Right, right. So a, a little bit of background. ChargeAfter is basically a point-of-sale finance platform, which mm -hmm. connects customers shopping online on, like, specific merchant partner websites with uh, financing offers from multiple lenders. So the idea, I spoke with their CEO, Maydad Sharon, who said that they're basically going to be building out their development, their decisioning engine or their matching engine, which matches the consumer profiles uh, with the lender offers to hopefully get um, you know, higher approval rates. I think the approval rate right now is 85%. Um, and then they're also going to be building out their, um, their bank integration technology so that they can partner with and integrate with more banks and more banks. They're, they currently have 12 US lenders on the platform right now. I think it includes like Synchrony, Progressive, and, and Genesis Credit. Um, but the interesting thing is Maydad mentioned that when, when Charge After is looking for investor partners, they're looking for partners to provide uh, value beyond just the money. So some sort of strategic value. Um, one example here is Synchrony invested in the bank a few years ago and, or sorry, Synchrony invested in the, the FinTech a few years ago and they're also a lender on the platform. BBVA is also invested. I'm not, it hasn't been confirmed whether or not they are a lender, but I'm, I think that they're currently working with MUFG on other sort of opportunities for partnership. The investment came from MUFG Innovation Partners, which is the venture capital uh, fund of the bank. So this could potentially lead to, um, you know, MUFG onboarding to be one of the lenders on the platform. We've seen point of sale financing kind of gain traction in the past few months. I know PayPal kind of um, was focusing their point of sale technology to, re to reach younger consumers. And I also know last year, a firm, which is a point of sale lender, also launched a finance product like a digital card to check out. So I think it'll be a pretty interesting space to watch. Uh, there was uh, another startup uh, was in the news this week uh, where Chase uh, deployed Sensibles uh, technology. Now, a deployment, uh, even if it is Chase, you know, one of the big four uh, banks or big five banks, I guess. Uh, if, uh, you know, even, even if it is one of those banks, you know, a, a deployment is not one not not necessarily news that we would uh, that we would necessarily cover, but uh, the digital receipt technology that Sensible offers is uh, kind of does point to a, a, a deeper um, uh, effort on the part of 
of FIs to gain more intelligence on spending patterns. But I mean, why does this deal matter? And what, what is really going on in, in, in this uh, digital receipt technology space sure. that is, has kind of import to a broader range uh, of, of financial institutions? Yeah, well, I kind of read it as a sign of the times. I mean, consumers more and more are flocking to, you know, giant retailers, whether it be Walmart, Amazon, Target. And if you just look at your bank statement, you see, oh, I spent $200 at Walmart. And you don't really know what you actually spent that money on. Did you buy food? Did you buy clothes? Did you buy, uh, you know, luxury items? Did you buy, or did you, but was it for necessary expenses? Did you have home improvement? Um, so when you get that breakdown in the past from your bank, you just see, it'll show you, you know, you spent however much at, at retailers. And you don't really know, it doesn't give you any kind of granular fine comb look at what you're actually spending your money on. Um, so I think these sort of receipt tracking uh, startup sensibility in one of them, uh, Flux, I believe, does it as well. Uh, Flux works with Barclays and a few other big banks. Um, they're starting to sort of gain a little bit of traction just because you know, as our spending becomes homogenous, I believe was the word the sensible CEO used to me. Uh, you can actually, this tool will actually provide more valuable insights into your spending, which is something that banks are starting to compete on. So um, I think it's kind of a, a symbol, it's more of a reaction to, uh, to consumer behavior than anything. I mean, that's, that, that's the, sorry, go ahead, Bianca, please. Well, I was going to say what I thought was really interesting about Sensibil's technology too is it, it um, will suggest shopping lists for you. And if mm -hmm. the store that you go to is out of that product, it will suggest another store to find that product, which, I mean, we're hearing time and time again, all these banks investing in data and personalization efforts, right? And so this is really interesting use case, I thought that I haven't really heard about before. And that, that, that puts the financial institution in the position to some degree, I guess, of not necessarily being the arbiter of the retail decision, but at least the facilitator. Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. So, what, and what else does this give the financial institution? Like, I get, you know, what is the, what do they do with the data? Well, according to them, I mean, the things in the future that you might see, yeah, Bianca mentioned the shopping list. That's one thing. Um, they could even, uh, recommend if they if you go to a store they don't have something or something's closed they can use receipt technology from other consumers that are on their platform to be like oh well they don't have it at target like they have it at a walmart down the road or whatever you know um so i think it gives i mean they're, they're not there yet to be clear like this is something they're looking at in the future trying to do uh but if if it is made widely available it can make financial institutions even more embedded in your day-to-day -day life um, so it's not just like your bank helps you with your loan and takes your direct deposit or you know you have your credit card and that's the only time you're really thinking about chase chase could be like you know kind of guiding your day-to-day -day life you know it's much more embedded in your everyday you're getting a notice from chase telling you like where you can find your shopping list or what you might need to buy to make like a birthday cake. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up, but like Chase could be even more embedded in your day-to-day -day life at the end of this. If, if it goes according to their plan, we'll see, but that's, that's the, the goal. So, I think. so the takeaway here is Chase is helping you with your birthday cake. That's the, yeah, I guess. Yeah. That's the headline. <laughs> um, you, uh, Rick, you had a zoom event this week with Imran Khan, uh, mm -hmm. who's the head of uh, a global digital experience at TD bank. Mm -hmm. on the future of relationship banking. 
Um, so what were some of the news uh, developments? Uh, what's the, some of the news that came out of uh, that discussion? Yeah, uh, he was a great guest. He really, um, we spoke for, for about 30 minutes. Uh, thanks to all the subscribers who joined for that, by the way. Uh, it was a lot of fun. He spoke a little bit, well, not a little bit, he spoke a lot about TD's relationship banking efforts. Yeah. And then he also mentioned that uh, there's a, uh, TD has been sort of internally working on a project that they, they call internally. I thought, I thought it was just called my TD, but that's what they're calling it within the bank. They don't really have a name for it yet. It's more of a, uh, an insights tool and they're trying to take that live by the year. And so that was another interesting part of our conversation. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, what do you, what do you have coming up next week, Bianca? Uh, super excited. We're going to be publishing our next uh, edition of Five Questions With, and it's going to be with Dustin Cohn, who heads up the uh, brand and marketing of Goldman Sachs's uh, digital-only bank, Marcus by Goldman Sachs. So we're going to be um, hearing his, his thoughts on, oh, are you going to yeah, say Yeah, good. No, 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 go ahead. <laughs> uh, just his thoughts on, you know, market opportunity. Um, he, he doesn't come from a financial services background at all, so that's adds an interesting spin, I'll say. I'm not going to give too much away. But, yeah. uh, you, Bianca, you can't give too much away here. No. <laughs> I'll, I'll stop there. Okay, no. no. Uh, and when's that coming out? Slated for Monday. Very nice. And this week we also uh, found out that uh, Vanessa Colella, uh, mm -hmm. am I pronouncing her last name right, Rick? My knowledge, yes. Yeah, yes. I, I've not spoken with her yet, but yeah. The Chief Innovation Officer at City is going to be uh, joining us at Bank Innovation Build for a fireside chat. Mm -hmm. um, Bank Innovation Build will be on September 9-10, so that's pretty exciting. She's mm -hmm. really one of the top innovation uh, mm -hmm. executives in financial services today, so that's exciting. Yeah. Um, and uh, everyone can learn more about Bank Innovation Build at bankinnovationbuild.com, appropriately enough. So uh, that does it for our edition uh, of uh, FinTech Unfiltered. Rick, Bianca, thank you very much uh, again. And uh, thank you all for uh, joining us. And as always, keep it unfiltered. Bye, everyone. Yeah.